The big question is this, how do we use the seven step blueprint to help you or people you influence become more physically healthy than 98% of the people you know and in your community? That's what today's episode is all about. Let's get stuck into it straight away. Today's episode of the new science of physical health. Hi everybody, welcome back to this episode of the new science of physical health. And today's episode called From Last to First. Now, I gotta reveal there's some very personal story behind this, being from last to first. And I'm going to tell, this is what we're gonna do today. I'm going to tell you the story of going from last to first in a particular area. Real story, true story, very personal to me, my wife, and my family. You'll hear about that in just a second. But when I talk about this story, it relates to one of the steps inside the seven-step blueprint for the new science of physical health. And in fact, when I'm talking with students, be they school-age students or adults, I always use this type of lesson at the very beginning of step two inside the seven-step blueprint. So that's what today's title is, going from last to first. But you'll see as we go along, I'll tell you the story, and then I'm gonna talk about how it relates to the second framework inside the seven-step blueprint of the new science of physical health. So I'm out, I'm on the road today, and so we've got the the, uh, recording device up in the cradle, and you'll hear the car blinker, and you might hear some cars beside me, but I wanna get this episode out called From Last to First, and it is specifically designed, this audio episode, to highlight for you something to do with the second framework inside the new science of physical health, step number two. All right, we'll get to that in just a moment, but let me just start off the story of what I mean by going from last to first. All right, a few years ago, my son, when he was aged about nine years of age, actually, I'll take it back even a little bit further. When he was about four or five, me being a health and physical education teacher and also my wife being quite active, very active person, we made a decision to, like many parents, to take our child across to try out some different sports and some different activities that he would take part in outside of school. So as he started his school career, we began in what's in Australia is called Little Athletics. So that's track and field and it starts from around the age of five upwards and goes up each year group. So for the ages, I think it was five and six and seven. But yeah, they're probably the ages. So we took him every Saturday, I think it was every Saturday, or we might have, yeah, every Saturday, might have been one of the weeknights, to a local um, grass track where all of the students in the local athletics club, not students, but all the children in the local athletics club came to, to compete. So I want you to know this, that my son was born with flat feet. So he is a, uh, he's always been very tall from his age. Even when he was a baby, he was in like the 95th, sometimes he was at the 110th percentile for his height. So he's a very tall boy. And, but he was born with flat feet. Just one of those things that happens to us. You know, we've all got something different and he was born with flat feet. But I think a combination of his extraordinary height for his age and neither my wife and I are very tall. I'm about five foot nine. My wife's about five foot eight, five foot seven. So we're not exceptional. 
But our son, from a young age, is really just somebody who's tall in the family there, and he's really, really tall. So the flat feet and his extra height made him, when we started athletics, it was very apparent very quickly that compared to his peers, so if he's a five-year-old or six-year-old and seven-year-old, all the way through little, what we call little athletics in Australia, right? He was, it was very apparent that he was a long way behind his peers in running. So he would run 100-meter events, 400-meter uh, events, some 200-meter events, and occasionally they do two laps and do 800-meter events when he was getting up to be seven years of age. Now, here's the interesting thing, and you can you kind of know what's coming based on the title of this episode. In every single race, he would come last by a long way. A couple of times, and and it was unbelievable. I couldn't believe on this little child, happened to be our child, very proud, his determination was apparent right from the start. And the crowd were cheering for him. They wanted him to do well and uh, and because they noticed that he was a long way behind. And he would come in a long way behind the other kids his age on every event, not just the running events, but on every event. Although he started to get pretty good at things like discus, and he did okay at long jump, and uh, but running was just something that was just a struggle and last by a long way. You imagine this. You start, you're going out to athletics at a young age, and your first experience is last in everything. He knew, come, going next week, going to athletics, but he was still excited, wanted to put his singlet on, had his number on, got his running shoes and his nice shorts and everything, and look forward to him having some lollies from the from the uh, canteen at the end of the evening when we finished each night, or sometimes a sausage roll. And he would still come out, he'd still try his absolute best, and he would just push himself and push himself. But he was still a long way behind. Eventually, we got, we got to the stage where, I think around something like seven or eight years of age, his mum had been quite good at swimming. And, uh, you know, natural swimmer, very good style, very good stroke technique. And so we did things like basketball. We did things like, um, for those of you outside of Australia who don't know this sport, we did something called cricket, um, which is a, a, one of our national games. Also, if you're listening from England or India, and I know we do have listeners to this, these audio episodes in those countries, uh, places like you know Sri Lanka or Bangladesh or South Africa, um, you'll know what cricket is. But if you're outside of those countries, you might not know what that is. So we had our son do that. He was also... Um, he was okay at that, but he was still noticeably found it difficult to run, and also his catching skills were, um, were uh, uh, also a little bit difficult as well. Hey, I'm just driving along here. Can you believe it? This is a little intercept on the, on the episode. The Batmobile is driving past me on the road. There's a car that is in our district where I live in Sydney, and it is a full Batmobile from the 1989 Batman movie. So if you want to know, it just drove straight past me. I looked across and go, what's that? It's the Batmobile. <laughs> I'm a bit of a, a DC and Marvel uh, fan, uh, particularly um, uh, Marvel stuff. But there you go. I'm just driving along in the middle of this episode and the Batmobile just drives straight past me. Whoa, that was pretty cool, actually. Um, I haven't seen it on the road before. I don't know if Batman was driving it. <laughs> um, okay, so back to the episode now. Last to first. So, we tried him in those different sports, and then he tries swimming. 
and I think he was about, must have been about nine and a half when we tried the swimming to see that, you know, just have a go, see what else. Turned up, so he, because he'd been doing swimming lessons, that's right, all the way along, my wife had been taking him since he was a little baby to swimming lessons to learn to swim. So he got to the end that, that they have in Australia um, uh, gradings so that you move up, and like, I don't know all the different names, but I think the top grading, once you've learned to swim and you can swim competently, it's called dolphins. So he qualified at dolphins, and then you can go to a swimming club and you can, tr- you can try your hand at being a competitive swimmer, like a sport, right? as a sport. I-, I was never much of a swimmer. As a PE teacher, I did every sport, and I did do swimming, but I wasn't, I wasn't anything special at swimming. I could, I could just swim, that was it. So he starts trying his hand at swimming in something called the bronze squad. So the way it works in Australia, in swimming clubs, is if you live in Australia, you know this, if you've had children or, or been yourself, bronze squad, silver squad, gold squad. And to be gold, you are super competitive and you are, you are right up there. Not only are your skills good, but you're a very good athlete in the gold squad. So the first one you can start out on if you want to go to swimming club is bronze squad. And I'm not sure there's a qualification for that, but it's, you know, we pay and he goes and does the, he does the training. And then when you're ready, you can go into competitions. So about nine and a half, thereabouts, he starts going into um, bronze squad and we turn up. It's identical to what happened at athletics. And so what I mean by that is he gets in the pool, starts swimming, and he is miles behind anyone else in the pool, in bronze squad, okay? So he's a long way behind. Now, I imagine there's some, some children who are a bit older than him, but not heaps older, and some younger. And he, it's noticeable straight away in the very first lap that he's struggling. His technique is challenging. Um, he's just not moving fast through the water. And we've, my, both my wife and I, we felt for him. We felt like, oh, just would like him to improve and keep up with his peers. That would be just great if he could just do that. So once again, his natural determination kicks in literally kicks in and even though he's coming so what happens in swimming is you do different routines and different you know and you might have little breaks so you might do four laps and then you get to the end of the fourth lap on a 50 meter pool and then what you have to do is the cut you all you're all together and the coach gives you new instructions and you go out and follow those instructions so what would happen is he wouldn't get to hear the instructions because he'd always be late getting back to the rest of the group because he was so far behind Anyway, we just wanted him to get up to his peers and where his peers were. So at least a year of this goes by. And he, gets, he starts to get better, starts to get towards his peers. And then he goes in his school swimming carnival when he was in the fifth grade, okay? As I recall this, he's in the sixth grade, just, just starting out the sixth grade. So in the fifth grade, he goes in his school swimming carnival and he's got one stroke that he's really good at. And he ended up coming second, I think it was, in his school race for breaststroke, which meant he gets to qualify for the, what we call the um, regional carnival. So it goes from his school carnival. Now, this carnival that he qualified for by coming second in his school race in one event, right, this carnival that he qualified for has all of the... is <laughs> unbelievable. We turn up to the same pool that the Sydney Olympics were held at. So it's the Sydney Olympic swimming pool. 
So where we had in the year 2000, the Sydney Olympics, it was a brand new pool and we had, you know, we had quite a few Australians win gold medals in the pool, in that exact pool in the Olympic Games in the year 2000. I was actually, I've got this really cool story on one of the other audio episodes where I was a, um, a volunteer at the Sydney Olympic Games and I was at the opening and closing ceremony and I've got this unbelievable story where I spent three hours with Bill and Melinda Gates at the opening ceremony of the Olympic Games. That's for another time. So we turn up to this event, right? And you get, um, you get ranked in terms of um, your, sp- your time from your school carnival to the regional carnival. Well, at this carnival, there's probably, I don't know, maybe 3,000 competitors at this carnival. So it goes from his local school carnival to a carnival with 3,000 people attending. It was humongous. And so this is the first time he's ever qualified for any sporting team of any description in the fifth grade because he's just not a child that had ever, he tried lots of things and he did lots of things and he's very determined, but he didn't achieve anything. So he has achieved something in this one stroke and he qualifies for this one event and comes to this one event. Anyway, he um, he gets into the pool at this carnival at the Sydney Olympic swimming pool. Should look it up online. It's a great complex. Um, and so, and some huge stands. I think it holds about 10,000 people, which is what it did for the Olympic Games um, back in the year 2000 here in Sydney. So he gets in the in there. We're very nervous for him. He seems pretty relaxed, actually, in the fifth grade. And he lines up for his race. And he ends up coming fourth in his race in this. Mat- like, these are the most elite private schools in Sydney. So wherever you live in the world, Think about, I won't even go the na- through the names of the schools, but it, think about the schools that are private schools and they are the most academic, the most well-respected schools in your community or in your state, so to speak. Yeah, in your state. These are literally the most respected, most um, uh, well-paid-for um, private schools in our state, here in the state of New South Wales in Australia and certainly in Sydney. So he turns up to that carnival. He ends up coming fourth in his event which I was just fantastic. And so in this particular carnival, normally what you do is that I've seen in carnivals, you get a ribbon for first, second, and third. So blue, red, uh, sorry, yeah, blue, red, and green. Is that right? Yeah, blue, um, yeah anyway, red, blue, and green. So you get, you, get your, um, you get a ribbon for first, second, and third. Well, in this particular carnival, you also happen to get a ribbon for fourth place, and they give you a white ribbon. So we were thrilled, not only... Is a ch- here's our son, a, after a year and a bit of doing competitive swimming training, training and training and training, trying to catch his peers, not be competitive, just trying to catch his peers. He gets in this race at this big carnival and ends up coming fourth and ends up getting a ribbon. And we have this beautiful photo that they took at the carnival that we bought of him uh, in his breaststroke mode in the pool um, doing that. So anyway, that's fantastic. So another year goes on and he continues to train. You know what's coming, because you know the title of this episode, okay? So he continues to train, he continues to train. His mum takes him to the pool three nights a week. He does competition on Friday nights, and then three other nights. I think he's might have even up to the four now. He does, um, he does swimming training. And this is one. Now, he's really, like, starting to grow in height. He's 11 years old and 166 centimetres. Towers over everyone. 
He's almost caught his mum in height, um, and he's not terribly far off me as well, about 10 centimetres or 9 centimetres off my height at 11 years of age. So he's, and he's start the fitness is kicking in. Like all that training, day after day after day, week after week after week after week, for his sport, it is starting to take shape. Literally, you can see the changes in this boy's body. So he had this goal in mind that at his school carnival, at the start of sixth grade recently, very recently, he had this goal in mind that he wanted to be the age champion. Now, if you don't know how, I don't know if it works the same in every country that's listening to this audio episode, but an age champion is someone who in their age group at their school is awarded a trophy for being the number one swimmer, or if it's an athletics carnival, track and field, the number one track and field um, uh, student or child in that school. So he actually had set himself this goal. Now, I didn't know, I thought it was a chance, but there are other competitive swimmers at his school. So people that go to the same squad that he does and train alongside him in that same squad, and they're pretty good. So it's not like he didn't have any competition. He had people that were doing the training that he was doing. But he stepped it up and he put some effort in. Well, I wasn't there on the day. My wife was. I was actually um, uh, doing teaching school. And so um, my wife was there on the day and we got the video. I got the video. It was just mind-blowing. So here's what happened. The first race is the 100-meter race. So the open 100-meter race at his school. He's in the sixth grade. So all boys, all girls in the whole school. Anyone can go in it. So he gets in the race, and I've seen this on video, he gets in the race and he starts out fast. And he and one of his friends, this other girl, they both start out fast and she's in the lead. As they do the first, so it's 100 meters, two laps of the 50 meter pool. As they do the first turn, okay, um, he is, my wife said he was just a squeak in front, just a squeak. Then halfway up the second lap on the 50 meters, he gets about a body length ahead and he maintains a body length ahead. And I, on the video, you can hear my wife screaming head off with excitement at this carnival because our son has gone from stone motherless last, I love that expression, when he started bronze squad to winning the 100 meter open freestyle swimming race at his school in the sixth grade. I'll tell you something about this in a moment. So, uh, because it's amazing comparison. So then, what happened was, so we're, oh, that was amazing. Then I'm getting text messages throughout the day. He wins the breaststroke. He comes second in the 50 meter freestyle. He wins the backstroke. Wins the, uh, his team win the relay race. Um, what else was there? Butterfly, he comes second in. Anyway, at the end of the day, I think he's been in six events. He's got first and second ribbons all the way through at his school carnival, mind-blowing. Remember, last, stone motherless last, love that expression, stone motherless last to first, and he qualifies as the age champion of his school in the sixth grade for swimming, which just blows my mind. And I'll tell you why it blows my mind, not just because of my son and the, the how proud we are, both my wife and I, of him, you cannot describe. You cannot describe the sheer pride. But there's just a little bit more to the story than just that. So he's got a trophy, he's been awarded his trophy, he's got that at home now. And there's also a 
that's the one you keep at home. There's also a perpetual trophy with a uh, badge on it with his name on it that stays at the school. It has all of the AIDS champions over the years. And so his name is now on that huge perpetual trophy that's in a glass cabinet at the front of the school. Now, you can imagine, for me as a physical education teacher and a health teacher, but you can imagine, I'm pretty proud of that. Like, I'm going, that's pretty exciting. My son is the AIDS champion. But here's the, here's the little bit extra to the story of why it makes me more proud than you can possibly, possibly imagine. So when I was his age, so I'm, I'm way past that now, 55 in a few days' time, um, when I was his age, I, in the fifth grade, I started finding out that I was a fast runner compared to my peers. I'd never knew that before. In fact, I don't think I'd ever done anything. I just had gone through puberty, started growing, and I was fast, really fast at running. Then by the sixth grade, I still wasn't the fastest in the school. I still wasn't the the best at it because we had a lot of students at my primary school, my elementary school if you live in America and some other countries. We had a lot of students who were really good athletes. And I wasn't a really good athlete by the fifth grade. And I was getting better by the sixth grade, but I still wasn't by any means was I the best. So then I go from um, primary school or elementary school, depending on what country you live in, and I go to high school. So we have high school start, um, because I know it works different in different countries. We have high school start in the seventh grade. So it doesn't start, I know there's, uh, I think that's called middle school in the United States, where there's a lot of listeners to this program. So what happened was, is that I go to high school in the seventh grade and I compete at the athletics carnival. Now, it's big, it's more than my primary school. It's all the local primary schools or elementary schools combined because they are feeder schools into the local high school of this country town that I grew up in. So I'm in high school, first year, really big compared to primary school, like overwhelmingly big, so many more students. So I attend the athletics carnival and I start going in the events at the athletics carnival. Anyway, I go in the events, I compete throughout the day, do really well, they get to the end of the day, and back in those days, they announce and give you the trophy for each year group. So I can remember the hill. In fact, I showed my son and my wife this, but back to my country town. I remember the hill and the sunny afternoon in the seventh grade when I was sitting down on the hill, and they, was, they started to um, call out on the, they had a PA system there, like a microphone, and they all the whole school sitting down, the whole school sitting down, and they're um, calling out the age champion. So they call out the year seven um, girls, age champion for athletics, track and field. And then they call out the boys year seven champion for track and field and athletics. And I'm sitting there waiting for the person to turn up. I'm, I can literally remember this like yesterday. Um, and I'm waiting for the, for the person to turn up who it is to clap them to give them the trophy. And then my friends start pushing me in the back and say, Stubbsy, get out there, you're the one. I went, what? I wasn't, I, it didn't register with me. I had no idea. Like, I just wasn't expecting me to be the age champion. I was shocked. And I was awarded because of all the events that I'd been in and the placings that I'd come. I had quite a few firsts that day. Um, I was awarded the age champion for track and field. And that was exciting. And I remember going home that after the first trophy I'd ever won in the seventh grade. I remember going home that day, showing it off to my dad, who was sitting in his lounge chair. I've got my own lounge chair now. Um, I've got this big recliner chair at home, an electronic recliner. My dad's wasn't, it was, it was a handheld one. And he was sitting there in his overalls, he was a house painter. 
and he was sitting there in his overalls and I remember coming home proudly showing off this trophy like oh, I was pumped and my dad was pretty pumped too I could tell well that's so here's the story about last to first okay um, I um, I thought to myself back when my son was competing in the little athletics that story I told you then when he started swimming in the bronze squad and about how far he was behind his peers and the fact he's just not he's not into competitive sports that are rough and tumble he's had he's had four can you believe this this is an interesting side fact um, he's had four broken elbows just like falling over and landing on your elbow two left two right well can you believe this I've had seven broken arms by the time I was 13, I'd had seven broken arms. By the time my son was six, he had, had four broken elbows. And I was like, what is going on with these two, the Stubbs boys? So anyway, um, mine was just from playing sport, rough housing with my twin brother at the time. What else? Oh, I jumped off a swing. I broke, broke both wrists at the same time because I land, instead of landing on my feet, my shorts got caught in the swing. I landed on this rock-hard dirt and broke both, cracked both wrists. So at 10 years of age... I had both wrists in plaster. That was a nightmare. So I'm thinking, back to my son and that story last to first, I'm thinking to myself that back when he was competing, I said, oh, I just want him to be equal with his peers. I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not those kind of parents that want to live vicariously through their child and want their child to be some kind of super sports star better than what I was. I was okay. I did pretty well for my region. And, uh, and I, you know, I was, I was above most of my, my, my peers. I didn't need my child to be better. I just, I don't think like that. Maybe it's a part of, as you get older, you think less like that. I don't know. So I didn't need to really live my glory days. But I was thinking to myself, after he got this trophy, in a million years, I would never have believed, when you, we're talking back at the start of Little Athletics and the other sports he played, basketball and cricket, and he did a bit of soccer, for a while, a bit of Australian, uh, Australian rules football. And then when he started swimming in the bronze squad, I would never, ever, if you told me my son will be an age champion at an age that's at least a year earlier than me in a sport of his whole school, an age champion of his whole school, I would have laughed at you and said, not a snowball's chance in heck is he going to be an age champion. Now, I'm not putting my son down. He was just a long, long way behind his peers. So it is, I am so proud. I told him, I said, from, and I'm telling anyone who listens to it, talk to other physical education teachers. And if you are a physical education teacher listening to this, you will know this is true. It's very, very, very rare. And I don't know if I've ever encountered it before. When there's a school-age child who in every sport against their peers is stone mother's last in every sport except one and when he started that one he was stone motherless last it's rare to see a child have so much determination that they push through at their age coming last coming last coming last day after day after day after day after day after day every time you go to training three nights a week you come last every time you compete you come last Almost no child has the self-belief, and I'm so proud of this, the self-belief to build upon their skill sets to go from long way last to first. And it's so rare in sport 
to do that that I'm exceptionally proud because not only did he do that, he's ended up like being a year ahead of me and I was still, I was getting pretty good back in the fifth grade and I was competing really well. So he is um, very, very proud of, of the, just the fortitude to keep going when you come. I would never have done that. I would never have just stayed at it and stayed at it. I'll just give it up and going, I'm doing this. I don't want to come last every time. It's embarrassing. I don't want to come last. This is a boy, didn't worry about that. Just kept on pushing through. And he's like, he's only 9, 10, 11 years old. He's only 11 now, and he's the age champion for his entire school. All right, everybody, look, this episode is getting a little bit longer than I expected it to. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to divide it up into a few parts because if I put it all together, the whole episode is going to be over an hour long, and I don't want it to be an hour long. So you can go and listen to the next episode um, straight away, but what I'd like to do is, I'm going to publish them, I've published them all straight away, but what I'd like to do is I break this up, finish this episode here, say thank you so much for joining me, and get to the next part, so you've listened to this part, and it goes, the sequence follows on directly in the next episode. All right, everybody, see you in just a moment in the next episode. I won't see you, but you'll hear me in the next episode. All right. Talk to you shortly. Bye.